Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Andrew Giuliani Show. we got a lot to cover this week. I'm going to actually go through a bunch of different topics here rather than picking one and kind of giving my thoughts on them. We're going to talk about uh, Obama's uh, comments on Israel, saying that uh, nobody's hands are clean. Uh, we're going to talk about a uh, quickly about a Gaza documentary that's on Amazon, uh, and also the talk of Islamophobia recently, uh, even though we're seeing a whole lot of anti-Semitism. I want to talk also about Hamas actually utilizing two hospitals as shields. And then finally, I want to say thank you to our veterans as Veterans Day uh, is approaching here in a few short days. So let's start off with our 44th Commander-in-Chief, President Barack Obama. For those of you that didn't see it, I think most of you have, uh, but I want to dig a little deeper into what he said. President Obama basically said that nobody's hands are clean in this. And uh, let's get right to what President Obama said just a few short days ago. Any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something, it will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas. That, that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is, is unbearable. There is a history of the Jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your uncle or your aunt tell you stories about the madness of anti-Semitism. And what is true is that there are people right now who are dying who have nothing to do with what Hamas did. Social media and trying to TikTok activism and trying to debate this on that is you can't speak the truth. You can pretend to speak the truth. You can speak one side of the truth. And in some cases, you can try to maintain your moral innocence, but that won't solve the problem. And so if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take in the whole truth. I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward as hard as I tried? Okay, a whole lot of thoughts on this. First off, before we get into anything that he actually said, notice when the applause lines actually come. This was at, I think, a 15-year anniversary that uh, the Obama has had in Chicago here for his uh, 20, 2008 uh, campaign victory, and they had you know hundreds of staffers that came in. This was uh, a leftist uh, podcast called Pod Save America. It's uh, a few of the uh, Obama staffers. They've put this together, so obviously you could see there was a big group watching this. There were applause lines after all of the false equivalencies. No applause lines when talking about anti-Semitism at all. It was all after the false equivalencies, basically saying that Israel is culpable in all of this. I think that's very important to understand exactly where 
the left is on this stuff. They do not acknowledge that Israel is not actually the ones that are the major problem here. And it is crazy when you actually just look at the facts and beyond it. But that's where the left is on this. So going into that false equivalency, nobody's hands are clean. And when he talks about the occupation, he is not actually talking about what the occupation actually is, which is Hamas. That Hamas is actually the group that is killing these citizens in Gaza, he's actually looking and saying this occupation of Gaza by Israel. And it's really wrong. There's been no occupation in Gaza since 2005. We're going on 19 years at this point. If you look at it, Hamas got voted in in 2007. And then once Hamas got voted in, what Israel did was they ended up fortifying their border. By the way, we probably should take a page out of that. When you have people that have elected a group that don't think that you have a right to exist, guess what? You probably should fortify your border that ends up existing between them and that. Don't call that a blockade. That's just called common sense, right? So you have that right there. Hamas gets voted in in 2007 and also Israel is monitoring the ports. Well, guess what? When Hamas is talked about really exterminating the Jewish people, and you have actors, and I'm going to tie this in in a second, but you have actors like Iran that have the funds, because of other people, that have the funds to be able to give the Hamases and the Hezbollahs, those terrorist organizations, the funds that they need, then you have to monitor how and what Hamas is getting. Otherwise, it's, as I've said this before, complete negligence on the part of Israel. Now, here's the other big thing, and I know that other people have talked about this, but it really bears repeating, and it just immediately came to my mind as I know it came to your mind. I've been thinking about what I could have done. I have the scars on my back to prove it. This is very simple. Don't give Iran $150 billion. And this isn't something, by the way, that most of the world thought would be a good idea and kind of backfired. This is something that people all on the right said was a terrible idea that Netanyahu actually came to Congress to lobby them and say, don't sign off to, on this Iran deal. I covered this a few weeks ago and how much of a disaster the Iran deal was. And then how much the maximum pressure campaign of the Trump administration now with the Biden administration, how much that that maximum pressure campaign, which has been called off, has eased off. You can see under Obama, Iran profiting the second half of Trump really not being able to make money off their oil exports because they weren't able to export anywhere near, near as much. And now with a lot of those sanctions being lifted how much easier it is for Iran to get $40 billion more in, in money per year off of those oil exports. So when you actually look at this, you can see that is a complete disaster. And the fact that he would not be able to tell Americans the truth on this, maybe he just doesn't have the ability to look at himself and actually be honest with himself. But President Obama, one of the main reasons why Hamas had the ability, had the assets to be able to build up, to be able to stockpile fuel and weapons, to actually have the resources to be able to dig hundreds of miles of tunnels in Gaza right by the Israeli border. By the way, 
tunnels, which they're now digging under hospitals. I'll get into that in a little bit. One of the reasons why they had that those assets, one of the main reasons why they had those assets for years is because of your foolish and detrimental $150 billion Iran deal that freed up money for Iran that we knew, we knew, even some on the left knew, even many on the left knew and said was going to ultimately end up going to terrorism that was going to hurt U.S. service personnel and Israel. So it's very tough for me to see Obama sit there and try to act like a know-it-all on this when you could argue that he has been one of the most detrimental forces for Israel over the last half century. And I think you can argue it very, very strongly. Staying on the overall topic, but moving on to something that I just tried to watch this week. I, I go on Amazon and I'm looking for stuff on Israel, knowing ultimately what the, uh, what the political tilt is going to be on there. But I figured, you know what, let me see if I can get something to kind of watch. I was, uh, wasn't in the mood for reading. I want to look. So I ended up going to a Gaza documentary on Amazon called Gaza. And I was like, I know where this is going to ultimately go, but let me see if I can even get some information on this. I also think it's important to actually see some of this stuff because then you actually know where a lot of the people have, the information that a lot of people in our country have consumed, right? It's important to see exactly how people are being brainwashed, how propaganda is being presented. I got to tell you, I watched probably about seven minutes of this Gaza documentary and I had to turn it off. It was so blatantly, so blatantly propaganda, not even from like the United Nations. This came right out of the Hamas playbook on this. And it was just, you know, Israel is terrible. Palestinians are oppressed and Israel is the oppressor. It's just not the truth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to say it is just not the truth. You can look at this and you could try to spin the narrative all you want. But if you look at the truth and you look at the facts, Israel has done everything that they can over the last 18, 19 years to try to hope that they have a peaceful neighbor in Gaza. That's why they gave the land back. That's why they stopped their occupation Eight year, 18 years ago because they said, let's give Gaza, Gazans a chance to be able to see if we can live in peace, if we can live in harmony. Uh, and they proved within 18 months that it was not possible because you had Hamas that ended up coming out there and just taking over. So I'm sick and tired of this propaganda that's just absolutely not true and it's not backed up by the facts. And you could just see what goes on on a daily basis right now in Gaza. What's going on with these hospitals, right? Let's take that for an example, because I think this is one thing that will show you exactly where the Israelis are on this and where the Gazans are on this. So talking about what Israel did to try to prevent civilian casualties. Remember, on one hand, you had Hamas that came into Israel and targeted civilians. They didn't target the IDF. They didn't target military or anything like that. They targeted civilians. I've highlighted this time and time again, and you've seen it time and time again. They cut babies' heads off. They rape women. They captured women. They burned them alive. That's exactly what they did. Sounds harsh, but it's exactly what Hamas ended up doing. So what did Israel end up doing? And you could say that this might not even be a good wartime strategy, but from a humanitarian perspective, they did everything they could to give 
to give citizens in Gaza the opportunity to get out. They dropped 1.5 million pamphlets in Gaza saying, get out. This is going to be a strike zone. You need to get out. On top of that, they made over 20,000 direct calls to civilians in the areas that they knew that they were going to target in southern Gaza saying, you need to get out of here. We are going to be dropping bombs here. We are going to be doing missions here, defensive missions, but really on the offensive here to make sure that Hamas is eradicated and we don't have to deal with this again. So what is Hamas actually doing? Well, we have seen now that they are operating out of two different hospitals in Gaza. Two different hospitals. What does that tell you? When they talk about Hamas using human beings as a shield, that's the ultimate example of it right there. They want to make sure that the IDF that Israeli intelligence and Israeli military, that it's as tough as possible to target them. So what are they going to do? They're not putting up normal black blockades like you do in wartime. They're actually taking hospitals that probably is full of civilians, and they are using that to make sure that Israel cannot target them. They are using hospitals as human shields. By the way, when you hear that, if you really think the humanitarian aid that is for Gaza, which, by the way, in terms of their citizens, I wouldn't be against humanitarian aid going to Gaza. If you knew that that humanitarian aid was going to an innocent, if you can call some of these people innocent, some of them are, many of them are not, though. If it was going to an innocent civilian, if it was going to a child, then absolutely you would want that aid to get there. The problem is Hamas is taking this aid. They're taking this fuel and they're actually supplying it in these tunnels underneath, underneath Gaza, underneath these hospitals. They're stockpiling to prepare for war with Israel. That's what's going on. That's just the truth of it. You might not like it. I don't like the fact of it. Trust me. When I see the pictures of these kids, I don't care where it is, your heart breaks for these children. But your heart can break for these children, but use your mind and realize that this aid is not going to these children. It's not going to these people that are most affected by this. Hamas is taking this. And they're taking those people that are the most vulnerable and they're putting them in front of their guns and in front of their weapons and saying, you better stand here between us and Israel, because if you don't, then we're going to execute you or we're going to rape your wife or sister or something like that. That's, that's what you're dealing with here, ladies and gentlemen. You are dealing with some of the worst animals on the planet. It's that simple. You know, the other thing that we've seen is Hamas has actually erected roadblocks to stop citizens from moving to the safe area. As I said, Israel dropping 1.5 million pamphlets, trying to tell citizens, Gazans, to get out of there. And Hamas will not let them get out of there. That's what you're dealing with. Uh, also, Hamas terrorists have actually shot at the IDF from hospitals. Think about that. The terrorists are in the hospitals and they're actually shooting at IDF soldiers from the hospitals, trying to create a crossfire by those hospitals. And I've said tunnels 
miles of tunnels now are being dug under the hospital. And we have proof. The IDF has proof that Hamas is stockpiling fuel underground. That's just the disgustingness that you are dealing with here. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's tough to really describe just, I think, how they brainwashed. I, I don't know if brainwashed is the right word, but it's tough to imagine that you can have so many people in the U.S. that can blatantly ignore the facts, that can look at an incident like the Holocaust, which happened within the last 80 years, and to not realize what is going on and the underlying push of anti-Semitism that's happened here. The other thing I want to cover is how anti-Semitism and Islamophobia seem to have been put on the same paradigm here, right? You hear, we heard Jean-Pierre a couple of days ago say, well, the rise in Islamophobia when she got a question about anti-Semitism. And what I would say is, I'm not willing to say that Islamophobia is non-existent here in the United States of America, but compared to anti-Semitism, when you compare them, it is almost non-existent because anti-Semitism is going on in our streets on a daily basis. Here in New York City, think about that. Let me ask you a question. Have you seen any rallies or any traffic stops about anti-Islam protests? at all over the last month? Have you seen anything? Anything that would suggest we want an end to the Islamic religion as you would know it? No, you haven't seen that. But what have we seen that of? Oh, let me think about it for a second. Yeah, that's right. From the river to the seas, Palestine will be free. That anti-Semitic trope that we've heard time and time again, that's directly associated with some of the worst forms of anti-Semitism around the world over the last 75 years. That's what's going on in our streets. That's what's stopping our emergency services. That's what people are ultimately doing right now. So when I see the answers on the left that we need to be worried about Islamophobia right now, I'm sorry, I'm not buying that. I'm not seeing it with my two eyes. You're not seeing it with your two eyes. There's no major protests that are going on. What you are seeing is Jewish students being accosted on a daily basis. You are seeing these marches. And by the way, when you think about this, right, timing in life is so important. So if you want to have rallies for a free Palestine, let's say, I'm going to have my debates and my arguments with you because I think in many ways that you've been brainwashed by propaganda. But there could have been a time to have that. So there might even be a time in the future to have peaceful protests on that regard, right? You could say. But when you start ramping up these protests in the days and the weeks after this Hamas brutal terrorist attack, that's right on these on the back of these attacks. That piggybacks right off of these. That's a direct connection that these anti-Semitic protests and marches and statements in these college campuses that you were seeing is coming right after these Hamas terrorists did these brutal things to Israeli citizens. It is beyond gross and it is beyond disgusting. Let me just say this. Would the Islamic world give me something 
right now that I could step up, that I could stand here in front of you and say, I am proud of that action that they have done to the Judeo-Christian world recently. Is there anything? Is there anything that right now you and I can say, you know what, the Islamic world, they did that right to the Judeo-Christian world recently. They have said the right things. They spoke truth to power. Remember when we heard the left say, let's speak truth to power. That's so important. Somebody around Trump needs to speak truth to power. Ah, they're full of you know what. Because you know what? Recently, there's been nothing coming out of the Islamic world except for congratulations to Hamas. That's not Islamophobia, ladies and gentlemen. That is just the truth of what's going on right now. So I call on the Islamic world to go out there and to say, you know what? We detest these terrorist attacks. And we believe that there is a way to live peacefully with Israel. Right? We believe that there is a way for our religion and your religion to coexist peacefully and to be able to figure out a way so that way both of our citizens can live in peace, can practice our religion in peace, and we can go about our lives. We're not seeing that, ladies and gentlemen. We're not seeing that at all. How about just saying some statement like, I don't know, Jews have the right to exist. Where is that? It's not existent. Again, that's not Islamophobia. That's looking out and calling out the anti-Semitism that is widespread in the Islamic world. That's just the cold, hard facts and the truth, ladies and gentlemen. One more thing I want to cover, which relates to Israel, and then we're going to get to a little closing salvo on Veterans Day. You know, I saw recently that uh, there's a reporter, guy's name is Brian Karim. Uh, he was in the White House. He was the Playboy correspondent. <laughs> yeah, Playboy correspondent when I was at the White House. Now he works for Salon, a far-left outlet, saying that far-left MAGA, far-left MAGA's most dangerous threat to the, is, sorry, far-right MAGA is the most dangerous threat to the United States. Again, this is Brian Karim uh, from Salon. I I'm not even going to talk to you about what's in the article because it's completely leftist propaganda. It's hate Trump stuff. And that's kind of what Brian was the entire time. But what I can just tell you is of all of the people that you would deal with from a press perspective, uh, he was by far the not just most difficult from a questioning standpoint, because there actually were far more reporters that had far more insightful questions than Brian. But Brian was a sensationalist. He was always trying to get attention. I remember one time in particular uh, when one of the deputy press secretaries, actually I think she was an intern at the time, uh, basically said that under her breath he had threatened her. Um, just terrible. I remember one time specifically where this happened to me where you would have subjects, let's say, you have members of Congress who would come and meet with the president, with President Trump, and they would walk out in front of uh, the White House in a place called Pebble Beach on the North Lawn, and the camera would be on them. What Brian would do was he would get himself in the back of the shot and try to ask questions from behind them. So that way, he was basically promoting himself. He's the worst kind of media, and sadly, uh, I'm not surprised that he would write something as gross as this because that's really what he does. But, uh, but again, not surprised at all by this. Uh, but the fact that he would say 
at this time that far-right MAGA is the most dangerous threat to the United States, not Hamas, just shows you again just how blinded he is uh, by, I don't know, Hamas's propaganda. That's what you're seeing right now from a lot of the leftist media. They are buying hook, line, and sinker the propaganda that's coming out of Hamas. We can look no further. You don't have to look any further than the New York Times and what they did with the hospital bombing reporting exactly what Hamas told them to report or how a lot of them don't even mention when they talk about the casualties in Gaza that it's coming from the Gaza Health Ministry, which, by the way, is run by Hamas terrorists. So you're going to take the word of terrorists? I'd rather not take the word of terrorists. So let me end on something that um, I think is always the most important thing. All right, Veterans Day is coming up in a few short days, and um, I want to, from my heart, give a warm thank you to all of our veterans that, uh, that watch us, all of our veterans that don't watch us, all of those that um, have had the courage to don the uniform, that... Um, continue to swear an oath to our Constitution that protect our First Amendment rights. At WABC and Red Apple Media, it's one of the things that um, I look at and value the most about our country and about this institution, and most importantly, about our country. The fact that we have the opportunity to be able to disagree so vehemently here at a radio station, at a news station in our country, and to be able to talk through these differences. We have that right and we have that luxury because those men and women, those veterans, those who are still serving, they fight and they protect for our First Amendment. They protect our Constitution every single day. So I want to thank you for everything that you have done for our country. I want to thank those that are still serving. And I want to tell you that I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for your families because your families go through more than I can imagine. And I want to let you know that we are grateful. God bless you. God bless your families. God bless our veterans, most importantly. And God bless the United States of America. Okay. We'll see you next week here on the Andrew Giuliani Show. We're going to have Heather Powers McBride coming in next week. I'm looking forward to it. My former press secretary, a Fox News veteran and News 12 veteran, she'll be on. And until then, have a great week.